Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us for another one of our online services here at Westmount Church. From wherever or whenever you're joining us, it is so great to have you join us today. I know last week I got to share with you all the different things I was thankful for, but guess what? I'm going to do it again. I am so grateful and excited to announce that we are going to be coming together next week for worship and a family meeting, and we're going to be doing that at Sunridge Church at 3 p.m., and uh, Roger and Carrie are going to share more about that at the end of the service, so stay tuned for that. There's more important information. And I'm also grateful for what God is doing in our midst. I had a chance to talk to Christine, a member of our church, and just hear her story. And we want to share her testimony with you and all the great things that God has been doing through her uh, devotions and the time she's been committing to following the Bible in one year. And it's incredible. So I'm so excited to share that with you now. And then we're going to move right into the sermon. So why don't we check out this exciting testimony now? Well, what set me on fire um, is His Word, is who He is. To know God is to love God. And to know God is to fear God in a, in a reverent, awe-like fashion, right? Anyway, um, yeah, it was a, it was a process. Uh, it, was a, it was a knowing that I had to be in the Word. Like, I find it very difficult uh, at this point in my Christian walk to just open up the Bible. Like, I know the Bible is like a treasure trove and it's like mining for gold and you go here and then you go there and then you go here and go there and I know I know a lot of the Bible stories but I've definitely not gone through the Bible as a whole there's stuff I don't know right and I think what I've realized is it's really important to go through the Bible as a whole so you know the whole thing so you've heard the like or you've read you know you have an idea of the big picture and then you go in and you dig right and I am not a big reader, never have been. I kind of read slow and this and that. So I wasn't at that point where I could just open the Bible and do it. I could only kind of get together with God during a Bible study and go through the Bible, right? But I, I wanted to do something I could do on a regular basis that was very manageable. And I took a look at, I, I tried other devotionals and this and that, but when I got the Bible in one year that Westmount um, said we were going to do. It was the perfect framework, you know what I mean? So I was able to uh, just discipline myself in the beginning. Like, I didn't, I wanted to turn on the TV first thing in the morning. That's what I wanted to do. But I was just like, no, just give the word, like the 20 minutes or whatever it takes. Uh, as you wake up, grab, like, turn on my Keurig, get my coffee go sit back in my bed and listen, you know, and it's, and next thing you know, it's over, you know what I mean? So, uh, I started to do that and, um, uh, as a discipline and, uh, soon it became a passion, uh, because it is telling the story over the whole time. It's not just like this one and this one and this one, like the other apps I did, it was like, you know, or even my own, I can't read really, I don't feel like I can read fast enough to get through the Bible in one year, but I can listen to it. And I also felt like I needed some context because I've gone into the Bible alone sometimes and sometimes I start to get angry at God about things that I read. And whenever you're, I know whenever I'm angry at God, it's, it's um, displaced anger. It's somehow, I'm not, I'm not seeing God for what it, or the situation for what it really is. So it helps to get the framework from this app too. And then being able to um, 
have the sermon each week too that draws and then like you know you hear God talking to you and you get this thing and that thing and with my other Bible study you'd think things come together and it's just like um, get this dialogue this this thing going back and forth with God you know and it helps me to pray and learn how to pray through the scriptures as well um, like I feel the value of the app is 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 is, is, is like is as is, is much as like the as the actual going through it like the two together have really helped and the sermons with it so um, yeah it just I feel like I've done it long enough and it's a passion like now I like wake up in the morning and it's like I, I, I don't even think about the TV. I just want to know what the, what's going on in the, like what does God have to say to me today? Um, what, what can I think about today? What, can, what, what kind of prayers are, are gonna go up today? And oftentimes the prayers that are accompanying it are cries of my heart that I couldn't even verbalize. And it's like, I'll say the prayer and then I go, and this is a cry of my heart, God, you know? And it just, it just, it's so special and intimate. So, and I just see now, like, I feel like I'm full, full, and I'm, I'm overflowing. Like, I, I, I can minister to people um, who I, um, who are put in my path. And, uh, and it's, and it's not trying, it just comes out. And it's, um, it's helped me learn a lot more about the Lord. Good morning. Good morning, Westmount. On this chilly fall. I'm still wearing short sleeves, just putting it out I'm there. I'm not. I have a blanket on my legs that you can't see right now. Right. That's and right. boots on. Uh, but, but, wasn't that an awesome testimony from Christine? Amen. And to see how just plugging into reading the Bible in one year every day and how it wasn't easy but she committed to doing it and how it has transformed her life. You know, it's been a transformational for so many people yeah. in our church, you know, just uh, just to get into that rhythm and to hear God speak to them every morning. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, and so it's it's exciting when you don't just hear it from us, you hear it from some of our own people sharing that. That's that's the goodness of the word that tastes sweeter than honey. And so as we are walking along in the word, we're in First and Second Thessalonians this entire week. Very interesting letter to one of the churches that Paul's going to write, and probably the most condensed passages of Christ's return are in this book specifically, next to Jesus's teaching on it. And when we we when I mention that Christ's return, honestly, I think it's it's almost like this theological football that has been bounced around or, or pounced upon, kicked or, or spiked and, and honestly sometimes even fumbled by people. Mm. And, and so people want to just yeah. tune it out. We've got two extremes and uh, hear me on this. We've got the, the ones that have the rapture fever that that's all they want to talk about and they live like, well, we've got to abandon everything and who cares about indebtedness and, and I can live unkept because I, I, I know where I'm going. You've got those people that that's all they want to talk about is the rapture. And then you've got the other extreme that Peter picks up in Second Peter 3 that are the mockers and the scoffers and mm, they say, yeah. yeah, well, they're given over to their own evil desires saying, isn't 
Christ supposed to be returning? Yeah, everyone's predicting his return. Every generation. Is it ever going to happen? And so what we want to do today, Roger and I, is is bring you back. It's, it's our greatest hope. It's my greatest hope, mm -hmm. our greatest hope. And, and I pray that there's some truth all packaged in this grace. And so as we give give the football of all God's accomplished back into his hands of grace and truth that he would begin to to place it into our hands and we'd realize the significance and the value to which the Lord really wants us to know more now than ever. A couple things I want us to recognize today church. One is that Christ is returning which is amazing which means he has sovereign control over everything that there's nothing that's happening that's outside of his hand, that he's not caught off guard by anything going on in society today, that he's our loving, sovereign, all-powerful God, mm. and so we can trust him. Mm -hmm. The second thing I want you to know is they were getting concerned about how things were happening back in the time of the Thessalonian church. And they were having persecutions and people were losing their jobs and people were saying, you know what, I'm not going to worry about getting a job because Christ is returning anyway. And there was this hysteria that was growing up in the church. And so Paul's writing to the church in the middle of this hysteria, and you would get it because it seemed very end times-ish, like literally people are putting, being put to death for their faith, they're suffering for Christ, they're being put in prisons, and 1 Thessalonians 1 verses 5 to 7 talks all about that, but that the coming of Jesus was going to make everything right. That Jesus is going to be revealed in this blazing fire. And, and in 2 Thessalonians, Paul is responding to a fear that has crept into the church. A hysteria that has gripped the church. And I wonder if in this time, sometimes we aren't shaken in the same way. If we aren't rattled a little bit by things that are happening all, uh, around us. And, and, and we see that. But, but Paul's writing to say, it's okay, God's got this, here's, here's how things are going to happen. So as we talk about the second coming of Christ, and Paul just goes through an explanation of everything that's going to go on, I want this to bring a peace to your soul, mm -hmm. a peace that God's in control. So let's take a look at this church that Paul's writing, the Apostle Paul, you've heard a lot about him, he's He's now walking on his second missionary journey as he comes into Thessalonica. Now Thessalonica is a modern Greek city. It's under Roman rule and it's a port city. Uh, and so therefore it's going to cross over two major routes. So just imagine it's a well-to-do city. They, they even had it called the free status of a free city. So they could rule and reign themselves mm. by their own citizens. So lots of money. Uh, powerful city. It was even known as the capital of Macedonia, the mother of all Macedonia. So in Acts 17, you can see how Paul's actually going to go into the city for the first time. There's, there's no group of church believers at this time that have been saved. So Paul walks in there and he's left Philippi to come in there. Now those Bible scholars will know what's happened in Philippi. That's where he was beaten with Silas, his partner, mm. for the sake of the gospel, put into jail, 
hmm. and the jailer ends up getting saved and a church is planned film by. So you can imagine the guy's got welts on his back coming into Thessalonica and how is he going to be received? Well, he goes for three weeks into the synagogue and starts to reason the, with them, with Paul and Silas about Jesus. And what happens is very interesting, but the, there's Jews, Greeks, and a few prominent women, it says, that start to believe. Look at the diversity in this little church plant in this big, well-to-do city. Mm. All of a sudden, this church starts coming about. But right away, and it says in Acts 17, but the other Jews were jealous. Hmm. As soon as you start getting a spirit of jealousy. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. Then they go to Jason's house, and they're like, we want this Paul and this Silas. And this is the reputation they have. Because these men have caused trouble all over the world, and they've now come here. Do you and I have the reputation that there's such a spirit of jealousy that they're starting riots, they're getting bad characters, they're coming into the house, they're dragging these people out in, in front of Jason because they can't find Paul and Silas, and they're saying, he's not here, and Paul had left at that point, so now he's writing back this letter to the Thessalonica's in Thessalonica to say, Guys, I, I want to remind you of something. And the first letter is so beautiful how they came to faith. Because Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 1.9. He says, They tell us how you turn from idols to serve the living and true God. That was the reputation this church had. They were a model in faith, hope, and love to all all Macedonia. Mm. So there's something yeah. inspiring, so powerful that's coming out of it. And he goes, remember how our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with a deep conviction, he says. So there's yeah. something so beautiful that's just dumbfounded the city that can't be put under control. There's a jealousy starting to arise. And he, they've become this model, but with this comes persecution it's all around them hmm turn in your bibles to second thessalonians 2 i'm going to read verses 1 and 2 remember they're getting worked up about the return of christ and and they're sort of in a hysteria this is two thousand years ago mind you concerning the coming of our lord jesus christ so paul is writing back to them after he founded the church Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed. Don't get unsettled, don't get alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. So there's some sort of uh, misunderstanding, there's some prophetic word or letter that has been circulated that's saying, you know what, Jesus has already returned and, and Paul's writing, no, no, don't, don't get concerned. In fact, Jesus in, Ma in Matthew chapter 24 talks all about his return and he gives a, a whole chapter about what's going to happen before he returns and Paul here says don't be concerned about all this end times talk because Jesus has already spoken to us about this and he almost he almost summarizes what Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24 and Jesus himself said don't be alarmed don't be alarmed when you see all these things happening 
Don't be alarmed when there's wars and rumors of wars. Don't be alarmed when people say, hey, here's, here's the returned Christ. You know, out in the desert, he's like, it's not going to be like that. You're going to know it when I come back. It's not going to be any questions. And so there was this prophecy or letter or word of mouth that was going around and there were misconceptions about the end times. The church is getting worked up, if you can believe that. And sometimes we see that. Sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes my tendency is to get a little worked up when, when I see everything that's going on. I, I am getting concerned. But people back at the Thessalonian church were quitting their jobs. It talks about this in 2 Thessalonians. Because they're really believing the end is there. And to deal with these Christians who are who are unsettled, Paul goes into some detail about the return of Jesus. And so Paul writes this letter pretty quickly after the first one. It's only months in between because he wants to reassure them right away, comfort them and encourage them with this truth. Yeah. So, 2 Thessalonians 2, continuing on in verse 3, this is what Paul says to them. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until... The rebellion occurs. We'll talk about that later. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. That's the beast that's talked about in Revelation. The man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. So that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. And don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. So Paul used to teach about this when he was there, only for three weeks. And now you know what is holding him back, that's the beast, so that he might be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, and we see it at work in our world. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he's taken out of the way. So there's something holding it back, holding back the spirit of lawlessness. We'll talk about what that is. And then the Lord's going to take that away. Uh, and then the lawless one will be revealed, the beast, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth. There, don't worry. Jesus has got everything under control and destroy with the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. Now here, listen to what the beast is going to look like so you know. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them over to a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Wow, there's a lot there to unpack. It's not that long of a, a passage, but there's a lot there. First of all, two things that 
strike me in, in Paul's response to this hysteria that's growing up in the church. First, the amount of detail that Paul goes into is striking. I mean, he gives detail after detail, like there's going to be a rebellion in the church, there's going to be lawlessness, there's going to be this lawless one sitting in the temple of God, there's this spirit of lawlessness, there's this satanic power, there's signs and wonders that are going to be going on, there's going to be a powerful delusion that God's going to give people over to, and finally the Lord Jesus is going to return and destroy the, the beast with the power of his breath and the glory of his coming, which is amazing. But Paul uses a lot of detail to say this simply. Folks, it's not here yet. It's not here yet. Don't need to be concerned yet. The second thing that strikes me is that despite the detail, there's a lot of questions that are unanswered, right? I mean, he gives a lot of this detail, but but what's the rebellion? What's what's the man of, who is this man of lawlessness that Paul is talking about? How about the temple that he's sitting in? I thought the temple, the temple was destroyed. Does, does this mean that the temple needs to be rebuilt before all this happens? And, and I want to let you know on that point, I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm not sure whether it's speaking of a literal temple or or something else. I don't. I, I think when we come to these end times conversations, we have to do so with a little bit of humility. I think the the trouble people have run into is when they come to it with certainty. They know what's going to happen. We need to come to it with humility, saying these are the things. And and Paul gives us these things so that when we see them happening, we can have peace knowing that God's in control over all these things, even if they're negative, even if they're hard. On one hand, he says more than I expect, right? He gives so much detail. But on the other hand, he leaves me with a lot of questions. Good one, Paul. <laughs> Give a lot of detail, but leave me with a lot of questions. But verse 5 answers some of the questions, right? In verse 5, Paul says, I used to tell you about these things, he says. I, I, I taught you these things while I was with you. So, so what he's doing here is reminding the church in Thessalonia of what he taught them. So he doesn't have to go give all the detail because he's, he's already answered all their questions. You can imagine they're sitting in a living room and Paul's describing what's going to happen in the end times. And, and so Paul doesn't go back into all that teaching because he's already taught them. He just gives like bullet form. Boom, 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 boom. Remember, this is what I told you was going to happen. And that's amazing to me, right? It's amazing to me that Paul was with them, as Carrie said, for just a few weeks. And there were no Christians before this time in the city. So, so Paul evangelized them. And even right at the beginning of their faith, he's teaching them about the second coming of Christ. You know, some people are like, well, this isn't so important. You know, that's maybe stuff you get into later in your Christian walk. And I want to tell you, there's never a time when the second coming of Christ isn't important for us to know and to understand. Why? Because that is our hope. Amen. That's Amen. what keeps us solid. You know, when everything else Sing. in the earth is going crazy, when everything else isn't going as expected, we know that we know that we know that this is our hope and we know we serve a God who is in control. And so Paul's reminding them to give them peace. 
He's given us this. Paul teaches us this so that we can stay steadfast mm -hmm. even when everything around us mm -hmm. is swirling. An anchor for our souls. Yeah, and Paul says there's two things that are going to happen before Christ returns, and I want you to know this. Mm -hmm. and, and he tells us why he mentions these two things. But the two things, first of all, the first thing that has to happen is that a rebellion occurs. And when he's talking about the rebellion, he's talking about in the church. He's talking about the fact that there's this great apostasy that in the church of Jesus Christ, and it's a worldwide thing, and it's a big thing. It's not just, oh, one church declined in membership. No, there's going to be this large-scale apostasy in the church where many are going to fall away. Many people are going to fall away from the truth because they, they refuse to love the truth. You know, Paul talked about that at the end of the chapter. And I want to say that that apostasy has not happened yet. Whether we're at the beginning of it, I'm not sure, because even over COVID, a lot of people have stepped away. But it's going to be this wholesale thing that's going to be very recognizable. Paul tells us so that we'll understand when we're coming close to the return of Christ. There's going to be this great, turning away. I was reading this Barna uh, survey where they surveyed Christians and four out of ten Christians strongly agreed that Satan is not a living being but a symbol of evil. Hmm. Church, we have a real enemy. Hmm. Number one. And you can't defeat an enemy you don't think you have. Hmm. Okay, so, so let me just put a couple of verses and don't just take my word for it let me show you scripture because let's just look at this church that Paul's gonna say because Paul realizes he's up against the enemy but he also realizes that greater is he who is in us the Holy Spirit yeah. than he who is in the world and so he's like he's teaching them encouraging them why so that they can stand firm stand your ground mm -hmm. and so in 1st Thessalonians 2 17 and 18 he said for a short time we were separated from you because we had this intense longing to come see you again and again. Mm. He's like, I was separated. But then he yeah. says this, but Satan blocked our way. Mm. Have you felt mm. like sometimes you're really trying to do something really good, but you can't get through? Paul's saying, Satan blocked my way. He goes on again in 1 Thessalonians 3.5. He says, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer... Um, I sent to find out about your faith. Like, he's loving, he's like a dad to these kids. Like, I, I, I would just hope that they're doing okay, that somehow he goes, I was afraid, he says, that in some way the tempter had tempted you and our labors might have been in vain. Can you imagine him? Like, he's in his own stress, but he's so concerned that somehow the enemy has pulled this church off and deceived mm. them yeah and and jesus himself says says this in matthew 24 10 at that time many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people the great rebellion because of the increase of wickedness the love of most will grow cold, mm. but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So let me remind you that mm. apostasy in itself is this deliberate abandonment of a formally professed position. 
and it's it's a turning away and and mm. jesus says here they're going to yeah. turn away from the faith and we what that's going to result in betrayal and a hating of one another do you start to see these this this pocketing already in our society the because of the increase of wickedness love is going to start to grow cold have have you gone outside a little bit and it feels like man our society feels like my heart feels frozen and, and cold and and why it's so important as a little church body in in Thessalonia and same in Kelowna that they come together that the love of one another is encouraged mm. and inspired and that we stand firm together because Jesus also reminds us that the days will be like Noah and Lot with Sodom and Gomorrah and what does that say to me personally that says there was very few Hmm, there was right. very few, but the Lord prepared Noah. It took years to build that ark when people That's thought, right. you guys are crazy. You're crazy yeah. holding out to your God. We're just going to carry on. Noah held steadfast. Lot was removed from a sexually indulged city so that they could be kept safe, hmm. so that we could be kept safe. Yeah, amen. Exactly what Carrie's saying. There's going to be this large-scale falling away, and Paul says they refuse to love the truth mm. and so be saved. They refuse to love the truth. Just a couple things about that. Oh, I want to talk more about that later, but I can't help but talk about it a little bit now. That's why we read Scripture every day. Amen. That's why we have you in your Bibles every day. We want you to know the truth and love the truth. Yeah. But we also want you to love the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We want you to love him, to submit yourself to him and what he says, no matter what society says. That's what's going to keep us safe as we, as we move closer to the return of Christ. Okay, that was an aside. But the second thing <clears throat> that we see that Paul says is going to happen before Christ returns is that the man of lawlessness is going to be revealed. The man of lawlessness who claims to be God, who sets himself up in the temple, who demands to be worshipped, who, who's able to do all these signs, who's literally like wielding the power of Satan and people believe in him and he looks like a God because he's performing miraculous signs. He's going to have displays of power and wonder and he's going he's gonna to deceive many and, and, and Paul says that God's going to give them over to that powerful lie, that delusion to where they're going to actually worship him as God. And Paul's saying stand firm and persevere. And Paul's saying that that's, that's the beast. He's not here yet. You're going to know it. It's going to be clear like the whole world's going to want to worship this man. But he says that hasn't happened yet because there's the spirit of lawlessness that's at work in the world, Paul says. And that spirit of lawlessness has been at work for 2,000 years, for longer than that, actually, since, since Satan fell from, from heaven. That spirit of lawlessness has been at work. We see it growing stronger in society today. But Paul says that it's being held back. It's being restrained. And so it begs the question, what's the restrainer or who's the restrainer? And I want to say this. I believe with all my might that the restrainer is the Holy Spirit. Mm, amen. The Holy Spirit's work 
in this world is restraining the spirit of lawlessness. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit that resides in me, the Holy Spirit that resides in Carrie and also resides in you and all of us who profess Jesus Christ as Lord. That Holy Spirit that here resides on the earth is, is restraining the spirit of lawlessness. Mm -hmm. But Paul also says this, that there's going to be a time when that restrainer is going to be taken away. And I can't help but think, and I do say this with some humility, but I believe that it's referring to the rapture here where Christ is going to come back for his own and we're going to be caught up with him in the clouds and then all the Christians who are housing the Holy Spirit are going to be removed from the earth and at that time the spirit of lawlessness is going to be loosed. Like there's going to be nothing holding it back and evil is going to reign in such a way that it's never been experienced in the world before. And so right now this restrainer, the Holy Spirit is housed in us. We're the ones holding back wickedness. We're the ones holding back the spirit of lawlessness. Mm -hmm. Do you realize the power in that? Mm -hmm. It's you and I that Christ is using mm -hmm. on his behalf yeah. to restrain. Well, when you think of restrain, you think of mm -hmm. self-control, right? God, Second Timothy 1.7, for, for the spirit God gave us isn't one of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Hmm. Yeah. Right? And the fruit of the spirit, we just talked about that a couple weeks ago. Wait, wait, that's one of the fruits of him, of him in hmm. us. Yeah. And so given over to my own flesh without the Holy Spirit, you, that's why we can't look at the world to be like, well, they have no... It's the Holy Spirit in us that starts to bring the love and the joy and the peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, hmm. self-control. Yeah. Let me give you this verse. It helped me a lot because as you see the indulgence, the greed, the lack of self-control, that's going to increase more. You see it everywhere. The, the hatred, the impatience. You see, patience is a fruit of the Spirit and love is patient. Yeah. And that's where endurance, the perseverance comes with the patience. Yeah. So if Roger's gone for three weeks and, and he's not coming back in four weeks or five weeks and, and I'm not sure where he is, but I know that he loves me. Hmm. Am I just going to go next door to the neighbor because I, I have an indulgence that I need? Or do I hold because I, I love him? Hmm. And that's what Christ wants for, yeah. for us, his bride. Yeah. Just, just hold to me. And so, so is this in my flesh that I do that? No, this is the power of the Spirit. Yeah. It's Titus 2.11 says this, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness hmm. and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while listen to this look at that so so yeah. his spirit's gonna teach me and honestly man i was a piece of work so yeah. so wherever you are in this right now your boast is that christ is in me now yeah. and he's gonna help me get out of that addictive pattern that I keep yeah. going back into the world because he wants to keep pulling you out, whatever that is. And he's going to teach you how to, through his love and grace, while, verse 13 says this, 
while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, Amen. who gave himself for us to redeem us from all the wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, mm. eager to do what is good. And so that hope shapes what I'm living for yeah, with amen. all my heart. It's amen. his desire to, to keep us pure, to keep us out, to keep us sanctified because he's coming for us. Amen. Can you see the two spirits at work here? There's the spirit of lawlessness, which is leading to wickedness and lies and delusions that are being believed by the people. And there's the Holy Spirit that working in his people, that's holding back lawlessness, that's preparing the way for the second coming of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, for his return. But then when that, when that restrainer, when the Holy Spirit is taken away and, and the beast comes, the man of lawlessness, we know we're really close to the end. But we also know at that time there's going to be a great persecution unleashed on the earth persecution like has never been seen and uh, before something that that eclipses what happened in Nazi Germany something that eclipses what the Roman persecution of Christians has been something that is is almost indescribable I can imagine but the hope that we have is that that hearkens the second coming of Christ because he said that time's going to be kept short. <laughs> kept short for the sake of the elect, for the sake of those that he loves. And we haven't really experienced a lot of persecution here, but we're starting to sense a little bit more now. Mm. And and Jesus himself, I, th I think we, we think that the Christian life has to be safe. Well, here mm. in Canada or even in the States. And that's that's going to start to change more and more and more. Yeah. And even if you look at the parable of the seed with the sower, when the the one little plant is the sun comes out and it doesn't survive because of persecution it has no root and so when i see us rooted more and more in the word of god you're able to withstand persecution it never stopped for paul paul goes on paul's in the middle of persecution mm. when he's writing this letter look at yeah. how great this is how do we get out of it praying the power comes from the lord you're greater let the lord push back the enemy yeah. and so paul says in second thessalonians 3 2 and pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people for mm. not not everyone has faith. He's like, if you have faith, you're living for God. But if you don't, there's a wicked and evil people that we're really praying yeah. to be delivered. And he says, but the Lord is faithful. Like he's always encouraging. He's like, the Lord's faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Jesus himself reminds us mm. in the Beatitudes of all places. I want us to get back to Christ's words to us because he said it to his disciples. He goes on to say, blessed are the peacemakers and yeah. blessed are the meek. But then he says this and he doubles up on the statement. There's a double portion here that he says in Matthew 5, 10 and 11. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. He goes on to say, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you hmm. and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Jesus said. Do you feel blessed when that happens? 
no, but this is where our mind shift mm -hmm. wants to change because the Lord's saying, yeah. it's so good. And you know what? He goes on to say, rejoice and be glad. This is Jesus. Because yeah. great is your reward in heaven for mm -hmm. in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly what Paul and Silas just came out of. They were being beaten in jail. Mm -hmm. And remember what they were doing? They were singing. Yeah. And so I want us to change this mentality as Peter's demonstrating here, as Jesus reminds us that when that starts to happen, that's because Christ is being manifested so deeply in you that the enemy starts to get jealous and he starts to work havoc over yeah. here and starts to poke at you. Why? Because he wants to discourage you. Fear will, will keep you from starting something. Discouragement sets in to, to cause you to want to give up. Yeah. And this is why Paul keeps going back. Persevere. May, may God, may the Spirit direct you into God's love and Christ's perseverance, he says. Yeah. You know why? Because when, when we're in God's love, mm. it causes you to have this perseverance of Christ to be like, nothing is greater yeah. than the love of our Father. That's right. Nothing. Why are we telling you this, church? Because we want you to be able to stand firm yeah. as things get more difficult. We, we don't want you to get caught off guard believing that your faith means that everything's going to be easy for you, that, that everything's going to go well, that, that there's always going to be blessings associated with that. And some people teach that. But if that's what you believe when times get difficult, and Paul tells us times are going to get difficult, what does your faith stand on? Paul here is telling us what our faith stands on. And he's telling us that he stands on a hope. Mm -hmm. The hope of the return of Jesus Christ. He says uh, the Lord's going to destroy the work of the enemy literally with the breath of his mouth. It's cold. I can see my breath anyways. I don't know if you've been seeing my breath but it's cold here. But that breath is going to come out of the breath of, of Christ and that's just going to destroy the enemy. How do you destroy the enemy with just breath? When you're that powerful and you're that glorious and it says in the splendor of his coming, this is the God we serve. This is the God who's Amen. coming back for us and he's not going to allow that time to be long. He's going to shorten that time because of the people that he loves. But what's going to allow us to stand firm? Paul tells us, he says, he says there's some that are going to fall away. We talked about this great rebellion. Why? Because they refused to love the truth. Mm -hmm. They refused to love the truth. What does it mean to refuse to love the truth? You see, this isn't a mental word that Paul uses, right? It's a heart word. He, d he doesn't say they refuse to believe the truth. Interesting. He says they refuse to love the truth. To, to embrace it with our hearts. Like, like the truth. Like, like to, to love the word of God. You know, David in the Psalms talks about how he loves the word of God. How it's like honey dripping. I don't even know all the no, words. No, we're in that right now. Psalm 119. Oh, there we one. go. Yeah, there you go. That's right. It's so good. And that they love the truth because it comes from God Amen. himself. But then also, love the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we love the truth because it comes from the truth. And it's more than belief. It's more than intellectual assent. It's this love 
that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength. And that's what's going to keep us firm in this time. That's what's going to hold us steady as things begin, as we, as we see the world begin to move into all these things that we've been warned about so that we're, we don't have to get all flustered about it because we know who's in control. We can have this peace even in the middle of all that. And, and that's what we want to impart to you today. And I think the greatest thing sometimes when we get caught up in calculation, Christ's return doesn't come yeah. with calculations or speculation. It comes with a revel revelation and an insight to his words that you receive the truth. Yeah. And they enter your soul and they, they give you a hope. Mm -hmm. Hope that is seen as no hope at all, Paul mm -hmm. says. That's Who right. hopes for what you already have? But when we hope for something, we wait patiently for it. And Paul encourages it. I'm excited. I, I, no, Paul's like, I'm excited. I encourage one another. He goes off in this several times in these. Yeah. Therefore, encourage one another with these words and build that's each right. other up as in fact you're doing. And if you don't have a, a community around you that's encouraging you and coming together more and more, that's the part where you need to step mm -hmm. away from those influences that, that pull you in. Because these ones want to look towards a hope and when I look towards that hope I realize that I want to be sanctified more and more I want to be yeah. I want to be more and more Christ-like and I, I want to come out of the world and and James reminds us keep yourself from being polluted from the world because I want to prepare myself for the one I love in his return and Paul says this to be sanctified, to be set. We, we're all obsessed with washing our hands and being clean and sterilizing everything. And, and Paul says it a few times. He says in 1 Thessalonians um, 5.23, May God himself, the God of peace, that's interesting, hmm. sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And the one who calls you is faithful to do it. And so this is not on us. It's allowing Christ. It's submitting to Christ in us to say, no, we don't want that. Yes, we do want that. And and we look with this hope and this expectation that he, he shall return. And so when the Lord says to himself, to his disciples just before he goes, he says this, beautiful imagery, a Jewish wedding you have to remember when an engagement happened, a betrothal, the price would be paid and they would drink over mm -hmm. that cup of wine which Jesus shared at the Last Supper and gave the price, the ultimate price, which is Him for us. And He says to them this, John 14, 1, don't let your hearts be troubled. Mm -hmm. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'll take you so that you also may be with me. And one of those yeah. parts of a Jewish groom is he'll go back to his Father's home in heaven where there's many rooms, he says, and he's preparing a place so that when the Father says, to the son, okay, go get your bride, and it usually would happen in the middle of the night. And he comes excited, and there's a trumpet mm. call, and those who are in Christ rise. They'll rise. There's, there'll be yeah. the great evacuation where we'll, 
will meet him in, and be changed in the twinkle of an, an, of an eye. We have no comprehension of how yeah. glorious this is. But this is our hope. My eyes are on, on him. That's right. So what's the antidote to when things get stressful for when society begins to fall apart, when we see these signs that Jesus warned us about. The antidote to all that is loving and treasuring Christ. Mm -hmm. Loving and treasuring Christ. I'm gonna be honest with you for just a second. Uh, yesterday was Thursday, today's Friday, that we're taping this. And Thursday, Bonnie Henry did an announcement for Northern BC in our province that all the churches had to stop their worship services. They just had to stop them. And, um, and along with a bunch of other things, but, but that hit me really hard. And, and I was going to my, my home gathering on Thursday night and I was going with this heavy heart. And I remember getting there and I remember Jason, who's my brother whom I love. I was gonna share how he was flustered about that and and Jason sort of looked at me and said, no, 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 <laughs> we're going to worship. <laughs> we're going to worship. We're not going to talk about these things. We're going to worship. And we did. We worshiped and we prayed. And it's amazing how that's what became my hope. That's what's my security. That's what keeps us calm in the middle of everything that we see going around. We just love him and we know he's coming for us. Let's pray, church. Paul ends with this prayer at the end of that chapter, and I want to pray it over us. Mm -hmm. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Father, this is our prayer. Holy Spirit, that we, we just release you to empower us, mm. to infuse a hope that anchors our soul, that lifts our eyes to our greatest boast, yes, Lord. our Lord Jesus Christ, and that he's coming, he's coming. We rest in the promise that is in you, Christ. You said it, and you shall, preve you shall prevail. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Okay, church, we're so excited. We wanna just share something with you uh, as a elder board and as a leadership first of all i'm excited about the return of christ i'm doing this breathing <laughs> christ is coming back so i'm excited about that but i'm also excited about this as an elder board and as a leadership we have been talking about just all that's happening in society and and as i said in the sermon that on thursday bonnie henry announced for northern bc they're shutting down worship services altogether and and we were thinking, you know what? It might not be long that we have opportunities to worship all together the way we love to. And we're like, once a month isn't enough right now. 
it's not enough right now and so so we were talking as an elder board that there's a need for more of that right now in the body and so we are worshiping uh, all church gathering worship service uh, next Sunday uh, October 24th it's going to be at Sunridge Church it's going to be at 3 o'clock in the afternoon so next Sunday 3 o'clock in the afternoon at Sunridge Church and we're going to worship and it's going to be a family meeting a family meeting and we're going to talk about where the church is going in the future we're going to let you ask questions we're going to share our vision we're going to share where we're going I'm excited about this we want to be together more yeah. we want to worship Jesus together yeah. more so, and even if it's your first time coming out great yeah opportunity to just come ask questions check us out meet some people that's right so we wanted to leave you with this we thought again it's our birthday Westmount's birthday and so what greater way could we mirror first Thessalonians and second Thessalonians you've got Paul and Silas okay. and Timothy writing a letter and at the beginning of First Thessalonians, he, he refers to them like, I was like a, a mother who, who cared for you and I loved you so much I wanted to share my own life with you. And he goes on to say, and we we're like a father mm. comforting and encouraging and urging yeah. you to live a life worthy of, of the gospel. And as we, we went through different things and, and our young Timothy, Nathan, thought of this great idea and worked hard to try to gather over the last year and a half through COVID specifically, how we as a people, a church body, we're able to encourage one another and to get through no matter what the enemy was trying to throw at us. Hmm. What we were able to overcome with love and joy, and Paul ends with this, and, I, and we say this to you yeah. guys, that for what is our hope and our joy or our crown which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, yeah, you are a glory and our joy. Westmount, we love you. Love you. See you next Sunday, 3 p.m. in the afternoon at Sunridge Church, All Church Worship Gathering.
will sing of the goodness of God. Cause your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you goodness of God sing all my life all my life you have been faithful Lord you're faithful all my life you have been so so God with every breath that I am made oh I'm gonna sing Oh, Roger, don't get the giggles. Don't get the giggles. Oh, <laughs> you already clapped. You don't need to clap again. Why are you clapping again? <laughs> I'm trying to get us in the place. Okay. I'm going to clap One, again. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> Roger, you gotta stop now. You're gonna get the giggle. Oh. Uh, baby, baby, baby. That's good. Deep breath, okay? Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Good morning, Westbound. Are you starting?